Welcome in to the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show. Courtney Cronin's in for Cap. Glad to have you with us on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Now time for Shot or No Shot, and it's brought to you by... That would be Club Hawthorne betting bars featuring horse racing, video slots, and sports betting throughout Chicago land. We say good morning to Shay W. Norley. Good morning, Courtney Hoodie on NFL Championship Friday. How we doing? Doing great. Are you kidding me? We got to the final four. And I know that for many of us, it's great. It's going to be glorious on Sunday. Also a little sad. Three NFL games left. I am sad about that. <laughs> the three NFL games. That's all we've got left. You're not ready for Pro Bowl weekend? Huh? Oh, stop. It's not even real anymore. Jalen Brunson should be part of that as well. How about that? Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I actually would rather they get stars from other sports. Get me Mike Trout doing the precision passing drill. Right. The idea that Jalen Brunson is not one of the starters in the NBA All-Star game, the fans should have their vote taken away from him. And because of that, Jalen Brunson should be in the Pro Bowl. How about that? That's what I think. <laughs> that's, my, that's my take. Give me a couple of points there, Tony Rinaldi, on that. How about that? Seriously, man, I'm not happy about that. But you know what? We do have three more games left. I can't wait, Shay. Let's go shot or no shot. What do you have? Hoodie, we've had this debate before. You know how I feel. Conference championship weekend, divisional round weekend, the two best weekends in the NFL. Shot or no shot. Sunday, conference championship Sunday is better than the Super Bowl. You know, in a lot of years, that's a shot. There, how many blowouts in the Super Bowl have we seen or not not great to watch or lopsided or kind of boring? Yes, there's pomp and circumstance around it, Courtney, with all of the, you know, the commercials and got family over, friends over. But, you know, to get into the Super Bowl, we've had some exciting games in conference championship weekend. It's a shot. It's not a shot for me, Shay, because I and I'll take this even a step further. Is it further. a no shot? It's a no shot. Um hmm. Divisional playoff weekend for me is better than the Super Bowl because you have eight teams that can taste it, eight teams that have a realistic shot to be playing three weeks from then. And I was really pleased with the games that we got last week. And even with the Ravens and the Texans, I know that people are going, oh, it's a lopsided game. It was boring. The other three, obviously, in terms of the score and how those games went, had more of that intrigue and kept you watching until the very end. But we got to see an absolute domination, obliteration from the from the Ravens. To me, that's like the foreshadowing towards the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I like that. The eight that eventually become the two, like having that all on that weekend to me is, I think that's the best weekend of the NFL playoffs more than the Super Bowl. You did tell us. But is conference championship weekend better than the Super Bowl? No. No? No, I don't think so. I like them both better. I t- I'm with you. Divisional round weekend is that's my, my favorite, favorite I'm standing weekend by of the year. It. That's like, the best weekend of the year. I like the final four. I, I've been more pleased with the final four, the conference championship weekend than the Super Bowl for me. I like that Final Four. Going back to what you told us last Friday, I think you were in the minority of saying, when we asked you which game you're looking forward to, Houston and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I think that what I was saying, the cap is, well, I think Courtney wants to see what C.J. C- C- Stroud looks like uh, in a big spot. Mm-hmm. And then to see if there's going to be rest or rust with Lamar Jackson. Yep. 
And you saw a little of both, right? You know, Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens not so good in the first half, and then they just they looked more like the Ravens in the second half. He said post game because we played the sound um, when I was hosting on Sunday morning. He's like, "Well, I can't tell you what I said at halftime." Someone's mm-hmm. like, "What would you deliver? What was the message?" And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that. And I know, and it's like not at all taking anything away from Lamar, but can we talk about how good that defense is? Like you could hear the impact of those oh, hits. Yeah. Holy cow! Oh, Historic. Like oh, that yeah. was out of control, and that shows you the balance that that team has offensively. Whether it's Lamar rushing for two touchdowns, whether it's him throwing for two touchdowns, and, and watching what they did on defense. That unit doesn't have, like we were talking about the Lions, that unit doesn't have like the star elite pass rusher, you know, the one guy, the T.J. Watt, the Miles Garrett. It has a collection of dudes from mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton to Roquan Smith. And, hey, if you're a Bears fan, you're going to root for the Ravens because Roquan Smith, you want to see him succeed? I'm a Roquan like, guy. Yeah. I'm a Georgia guy, but also a Roquan guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, we should also point out, Shay, and I said this, I believe, a few days ago, and it's one thing to watch a regular season game, but there's something about the electricity and the hits yep. and the urgency in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like we've never seen football in person before, but it's something about those playoffs, man, where it's just the ruthless aggression that these players go through, especially when the playoffs are on the line, won and done. It is amazing. It is a different level of football from the regular season of the playoffs. There's no question about it. I mean, like the Brian Branch example on that interception, look at the way he contorted his body. Yes. To be able to pick off Baker Mayfield to seal that game. Not saying that that wouldn't happen at any other point, but the the moment of the game, what it meant, what it yielded for the Detroit Lions, like, that's the moment that you live for. And also, like, what you said, how we only have, like, you know, three football games left. Yeah. Like, that's why I'll go with divisional playoff weekend being better than the Super Bowl and better than conference championship weekend. Because then I don't have to, I get more games and I don't have to be... I don't have to be thinking about the end. You also don't get an atmosphere and fan base like you did in Detroit in the Super Bowl. You kind of get that fan base, that atmosphere a little bit more in those playoff games. Because the Super Bowl's a corporate event. It's not mm-hmm. for the fans. That's why I get so mad when Cap goes, I want the conference championship games to be neutral site. F that. Yeah, because you get this more. This is for the fans. Because you get more of that sterile atmosphere. Why would you want more of that? He, he also wants that in the, in the World Series, too. Like, okay, so you want silence in the World Series, too. Like a neutral site. Just like Florida or Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. He wants them in domes. It's like SoFi yeah. or AT&T. Phoenix. No, thank you. I don't like either stadium you know? for that environment. All right, Jay. All right, the Falcons made their head coaching hire yesterday. They selected Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris to lead the future of their franchise. How does this relate to the Bears? Well, there are rumors that Raheem Morris is a secret admirer of Justin Fields, and the best chance for the Falcons at quarterback is likely to trade for a younger veteran. This has been rumored for quite a while Secret now. admirer. Yeah, that's the that's the rumor that's out there. He's got a little crush on Justin Fields. Ooh. Shot or no shot, Justin Fields becoming an Atlanta Falcon is a fait accompli. I'll say that's a shot. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with like the secret man crush, or what did you call it, secret admirer? Yeah. Um, Raheem Morris will get his guy. They need a quarterback. There's not one currently on the roster that makes sense for next year. Do I, I still also don't think that they have to give up the eighth pick to get Justin Fields. I was surprised when I saw that report initially that that might be in play for Chicago. I mean, certainly you don't say no if you're the Bears, whether you love Justin Fields or not. That is an extra pick that you would potentially have three picks in the top ten. In a, excuse me, in the, not, in the top nine 
Like, there's no way you'd say no to that. But I've I've felt that more than more than just even when Arthur Smith was the head coach, Justin Fields to Atlanta, if there was a team to trade for his services, would make sense. Uh, I, I would say that that's a, a shot. We can hear continue to read the rumor that the you know what if Justin Fields went to Atlanta because Atlanta needs a quarterback. I mean, think about that depth chart. You got Justin Fields, you got Desmond Ritter, so you got two African American quarterbacks. Okay, you don't have to go there, Berm. Again, why does he do that, Shay? It's unbelievable. I mean, there's no red. I, I was read trying to get the room, man. I was just trying to. <laughs> Read the room. That's it's a good point. Yes, you should read the room. There's no reason for that. Again, I mean, but it was. Well, didn't he say it because it was Black History Month? Well, no. hey, Lincoln's birthday. No, two African American <laughs> quarterbacks starting against each other in the Super Bowl for the first time. Fittingly, February 12th is Abe Lincoln's birthday. Here we go with the highlight. Posted that show with you the day after the Super Bowl. I don't think. I think we played that drop fifteen times that day. Buddy, I sent you yesterday. I didn't know until yesterday when I was doing a little browsing the internet. Sure. Bill Clinton is an honorary Black Hall of Fame member in Arkansas. That's right. You think Abe Lincoln's an honorary Illinois Black Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> Don't put it past the state. <laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just telling you. Uh, that's a shot. I think that um, that Justin Fields, if he's going to be traded, I think that Atlanta would be an interesting suitor. If there's a number of teams that need a quarterback, imagine uh, Justin Fields with that team. I'm not trying to push him out the door. I'm just saying I've been seeing that for a long time, that, that combination of Justin to Atlanta. He, Bijan Robinson. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Drake London. That'll work. Sure. Uh, all right, Che, what else do we have? All right, a lot of headlines this weekend. Had an interesting nickname for the upstart Detroit Lions as they prep for the NFC title game. From yeah. the Detroit Free Press, quote, Watch it, Cowboys. Gritty underdog Detroit Lions are America's team. Well, it might not be far off because a fan map released this week based on social media data showed 38 of 50 states are rooting for the Lions to win the Super Bowl. Shot or no shot, the Lions have become America's team. It's a shot. It's a shot, at least for this year. You know, it, it's, it's funny how labels work. Dallas Cowboys, America's team. The reason why they're so polarizing is because of what I just said. America's team. So you are just so... America's team, to me, is the blue-collar team that comes out of nowhere and finds success. What are the Dallas Cowboys? They start with a yacht. They start with Jerry Jones. That's team, I mean, to maybe some people, that's America's team. But I think that at this point this year, I think that's Detroit followed by Baltimore. And I think Baltimore is a close second in that regard. That's a shot for me. And I'll use the word, they are a lovable franchise because of the struggle that they went through. What struggle have, I mean, let me phrase that correctly. What struggles have the Dallas Cowboys gone through? Well, the last three years in the playoffs have certainly felt like a struggle. But Mm -hmm. the idea of the persistence paying off to where you went through all of those tough years, where you went through an 0-16 team. And I think it's cool that Dan Campbell was part of that 0-8 group. And you get to see it through, like having the main players on this on this team, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson having grown up in the city or not in Detroit, but like in the surrounding area, whether it's Dan Campbell, people who actually loathe the struggle, live the struggle. That's what makes them like when you can actually achieve 
your goals and achieve your dream of getting to the highest stage or at least, you know, one step before there. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's what makes it just an admirable team to get behind. But can I say one thing? Because I know that the Lions love, and I saw the NFL put this thing out on January 23rd, this tweet, like, for the city of Detroit, like, blue collar this, blue collar that. Detroit's not the only city in America that has that mentality of blue collar, middle class people. Like, I just feel like they, 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 you can't monopolize that. Los Angeles has that. There's parts of Chicago that have that. Like, yes. it just, it does drive me nuts. We're like, no, we're the only working class city in America. No, you're not. Uh, Baltimore has that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I know. I watched The you Wire. You watched The Wire? Yes, that's how I know that. <laughs> exactly. So. I mean, every day, I just, uh, it's the one thing that kind of drives me nuts, Shay, as a resident Michigan, Michigan? Mich- Michigander. 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 Yep. Like, do, do you not see that too? Like, where it's kind of like, all right, like, you know, there's more than just the Motor City and GM and all these other things and smokestacks. Like, hell, we have that, like, in Gary. Yeah, 10,000 lakes in that city, or in that state. No, that's Minnesota. Michigan, too. Oh. Okay, so Minnesota can't can't monopolize that. All right, it's fine. I'm learning about things this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, it, all of this is about slogans and marketing. A, a lot of it. Uh, the, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys to be called America's team is a joke. At this point in All time. All these years later, absolutely. I mean, it's at not the, time, the 90s anymore. It, like, under Switzer and, and Jimmy Johnson, sure. I, I totally get that. But I think now that's just marketing. And now you could just poke holes in that because look at them. Just look at them. It reminds me of my alma mater, Indiana University. Yes. And the five banners. Like, we have a... School hasn't won a championship. I wasn't alive the last time they won a championship. So, mm-hmm. like, that to me is an era that is completely past that I don't want to see that marketed as... Blue Blood Program, five national titles. Like, yeah, do something in this era, in the 2010s, in the 2020s. Like, do something then to make that relevant. And that's how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys, where you're holding on to a moniker that feels like it's passed you up three decades ago. All right, Shay. All right, yesterday, Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty was arrested in Louisiana. For <laughs> Shake your sports, Yeah, for sports gambling violations. Uh, Louisiana State Police said in a release on Thursday that Booty faces one felony count of computer fraud and one misdemeanor count of gaming prohibited for persons under 21. Basically... He used an alias because he was underage to get into gambling websites. And in the span of 11 months between April 2022 and May 2023, placed 9,000 bets. Wow. That's 27 bets a day. And I ran the numbers for fun. If you bet every single regular season NFL, FBS, college football, NHL, and NBA game all year, you'd still come up 2,000 bets short of 9,000. Shot or no oh shot? If I gave you the money to do it, you couldn't place 9,000 bets in a year. That's a shot. I could not. First of all, I wouldn't be betting the NHL until the playoffs. <laughs> I would not. Regular season NHL, there's no way, Shay, he has that kind of intel. There's no way he has that, that kind of time for research. All of that? It's not like he's going to Fat Jack, is it? I think he's just going willy-nilly. He's just hitting, you know, you know favorite, favorite, favorite. That's what he's doing. It's kind of like taking the SATs. He's just putting all A's on there, just seeing what, if he's going to get an answer right or not. Seriously. 
that's a shot. First off, I wonder, like, did he? Where, when did he have the time to do this? Because if he's betting before a Sunday game, you know, their Saturday games at LSU, like he's sitting in team meetings, just like scrolling on his phone, making all of these bets. What I just want to know, and I'm not trying, I'm not endorsing this, but I'd love to know what what were his picks because he hit on a lot of them. <laughs> like he he won. Here's the total: five hundred fifty five. $556,267. He won? He won that much. And that's basically because he used the money he got from the bets he won, and he kept using that money to huh. bid on other things. Like, the guy's clearly very good at this. So if he gets arrested for this, and he's no longer able to play in the NFL at some point, if they determine that, I don't know, if like he gets you know suspended for a year, like, isn't FanDuel lining up? Like, isn't, you know, one of the DraftKings, any of the other sports books to have him on, like, as an analyst? Because clearly he's very good at what he did if he won that much money. I have a feeling they're going to ban him. I don't think they're going to let him continue to gamble. Well, then he definitely should have a, a seat on ESPN bet. Yeah. <laughs> right next to Fortinbowl. Carlin versus Joe. Versus this guy. Versus Kayshawn Booty. <laughs> versus washed out NFL receiver Kayshawn Booty. Kayshawn, you once bet 9,000 plays in the span of 11 months. How did you do it? I love the idea of Carlin versus Joe versus Booty. I think that that should be the show. If he's that good, because what's the percentage of that, Courtney? Like, if he's winning that much, what is that, Shay? 60%? It says he 65? De- it says he deposited, this is according to this arrest warrant, he deposited a, deposited a total of $132,147.53 into the won account. This 400 grand? Yes, more oh or less. And he only God. withdrew 50 grand of it. So, like, was he, clearly he was not acting alone. There's got to be somebody else who had, like, who was in on this and... He was just the one who goes down for it because his name was on the account. Are any of these guys going to learn to, like, get an alias or not put, like, your username or your Gmail or your whole government name on this? Okay, JFK. He didn't act alone. Okay. (laughs) All right. right. Yeah, there's definitely a two-shooter theory on this one in my opinion. I've been reading the JFK report. (laughs) I mean, seriously. I mean, just conspiracy Cronin comes out again. You know, that's a character. FBI on line 10. You know, that's a character. Cronin does have this, this conspiracy theory in her, and so he, he, how would he have had the time to place nine thousand something bets alone? You guys sleep? You got, got him, practice? No, you got him like a Bumpy Johnson type guy that he has like this whole you know conglomerate, me? like all these people that are around him to help him make these bets. You think he's got like a, a sketchy like you know chalkboard that he's putting the bets up there? I wouldn't be surprised if he had like monitors to be able to like track. He's got his own sports book in his house. Probably. It's not as impressive. He didn't bet on horse racing. Where was those, those TVG bets, Shay? Where there were weren't enough gray horses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Couldn't, he couldn't find enough gray horses to bet on. <laughs> Let's go around the NFL. Nick Bull sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Time to go around the National Football League here on the Captain J. Hood Morning Show. Khalid. Now, talk about Khalib uh, Williams and so many others. That would be me. As we turn now to Shay Norling with Around the NFL. Shay? All right. It is championship weekend in the National Football League. Two big games. 
with big quarterback matchups. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. Maybe not expected uh, early in both. The Niners were expected to be here, but I don't think a lot of people were picking the Lions to make it this far. And on the other side, kind of chalk, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Chiefs and Ravens. I want full game breakdowns. Picks with scores. We'll start in the NFC because... Actually, let's start in the AFC. We'll go chronological. The 2 o'clock game comes up first. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Chiefs-Ravens, Hoodie. What's your read on this game? Well, I believe that Kansas City uh, has been able to hang in there. I mentioned last week that I was almost like, man, putting my uh, palm to my forehead. Of course I should have rode with Patrick Mahomes because they found a way to win on the road against Baltimore. But, I mean, that's one feat. To, but to go to Baltimore to win, I don't think that's going to happen. I love the Ravens minus four to win this game. And the reason why is because Lamar Jackson is a weapon is going to uh, be able to run all over this Kansas City defense. And I think that he can exploit the secondary of, uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs as well. As good as Baltimore was in the second half of that game against the Texans, I think that they will carry that momentum into the Kansas City game. I think that it's one thing to beat um, an underachieving Bills team, Courtney, but I think to be able to do it twice, Kansas City, uh, look, I shouldn't have bet against Mahomes the first time, but I'm going to do it this time. I really like Baltimore to win this game outright because Lamar as a weapon against that Kansas City defense, the way he gets the ball out, the way he can run, the way he can get it down the field, I think that Baltimore can win it. Look how much trouble the Chiefs defense had against Josh Allen when he got out of the pocket last week. Mm -hmm. Like, that is Lamar Jackson. That is, you know, two rushing touchdowns. He threw a touchdown as well against Houston last week. Now, this is certainly a different caliber defense, the way that Spags brings pressure, whether it was on Tua, whether it was on uh, the Bills last week. I think that that will still be there. But this is too too complete of a team. And let's not forget, who's coming back this week for the Baltimore Ravens? Mark Andrews is coming back. Mm-hmm. That's his security blanket. He hasn't had him since the knee injury on that Thursday night game against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So I I think that they're going to be too – it's going to be too much for Kansas City to handle defensively. But on the other side of that, are you really expecting MVS to go and make two insane catches again no. after the clunker of a season that he put together? Patrick Mahomes can – I mean, clearly, you can have a down year, and if you have number 15 on your team, you can get to the AFC Championship. I think their luck runs out. They're on the road for a second straight game. They're going against a far better defense than the one that they saw last week in Balt- with Baltimore and not the Bills. Um, I like the Ravens by three in this game. Yeah, and so, Shay, when we look at this, we go back to 2021 when the Ravens and Chiefs faced one another. This was a game in which Jackson ran for over 100 yards to a couple of touchdowns, and the Baltimore Ravens defeated Kansas City in that game. I think the same formula could be right there again for the Ravens to defeat the Chiefs and be able to get it done. I was wrong last week. I think I'll be right on Sunday that the Ravens will find a way at home to beat Kansas City. Yeah, I was wrong taking Buffalo against Kansas City as well. Look, I don't want to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes getting to the conference championship game with this group. It's incredible. Yes. But, there's always a but, they played Miami, who had none of their linebackers. They were starting reserve guys at pass rush because they had no one. All of their outside linebackers were hurt. And then you get Buffalo, 
who throughout the season became a mass unit at linebacker. And in that game, A.J. Klein leaves temporarily, comes back. He's a little hurt. It Like their entire linebacking core. The Chiefs, incredible to get here. But Baltimore is not what Buffalo or Miami were. Baltimore's healthy, and their defense is not just great. It's potentially historic. It's the only defense in the history of the NFL to lead the league in sacks, takeaways, and points per game. They're unreal. And on the offensive side, they're getting better than half a point per play the last three weeks. They're just... To me, they are a team that if they pull this off, they will go down in the top 10 in NFL history. They have been unbelievable this season. And so I'm going to go Baltimore. And honestly, I think it might not be close. I think Baltimore could win this by multiple touchdowns. All right, let's go to the next game. The NFC, the prime time, 530 kick. Big quarterback matchup. I mean, this is top billing. Brock Purdy and Jared Goff. This is what you hope to see when the season starts, Hoodie. Well, okay, so let's talk about the breakdown of this, Courtney. So San Francisco's defense has been stellar all season. Eighth in total defense, third in points allowed. Um, But they've had their problems against the run. Now, when I think of the Detroit Lions, I don't think about Gibbs and Montgomery first. Obviously, you think about golf and the system and the offense and how it works. But I think that... The Lions still have to be themselves. It's just unorthodox the way they throw the football, uh, especially when they're up in games. Instead of running the football, taking time off the clock, they do it the way they do it. But I'd like for the Lions to be able to run the football because I think that that's a weakness that they can exploit. I think Detroit can run the football against this 49ers defense. So I look at it from that standpoint. Let's let's break that. Before we even get to the score and what you think, let's just talk about the intangibles of the game. What about that aspect? I mean, the Packers did it on them last week. They did it, you know, this was a... 49ers team that looked a little rusty and certainly from like a play calling perspective I don't know why Kyle Shanahan didn't get Christian McCaffrey more involved early on to build a lead like they're not a team San Francisco's not a team that plays from behind all that often like they don't it's a completely different identity when they're playing catch up instead of jumping out in front and what are the Lions good at doing last two games jumping out in front and yeah Jared Goff didn't like, the version that you got against the Rams was a different Jared Goff. He came on in the fourth quarter, which mm-hmm. is what mattered against Tampa Bay. But that's a that's an area I think that they can exploit. The area that I think the 49ers are going to ex- try to exploit are the, you know, the offensive line has held up so well for Detroit this year. Mm-hmm. Jonah Jackson, uh, Frank Ragnow, they didn't practice yesterday. So that does worry me, and I know that they gutted it through. I mean, Frank Ragnow was an absolute warrior last week to to play through the toe and the, and the knee and the ankle injury. Like, he just got rolled up on in a really bad spot. Are they going to be healthy enough to protect against the Chase Young-Nick Bosa combination? That's what would worry me if I'm thinking about, like, how the Lions can exploit or I guess go against like their strength. Okay, so but the run game, I and mean, you lean on your run game because you're right. Like that is an area where San Francisco has shown that they're vulnerable. So let's look at take it the the other side with Debo Samuel. If nothing else, he's going to be less than 100. Mm-hmm. percent I think he will play. I think he will play. But but here's the thing: if he was eh, who's 100 percent this time in the National Football League, I guess what I'm saying is is that if he was. A real threat offensively and healthy enough to be a threat, they could really wear out, I think, the line secondary because there is a weakness there, the line secondary, that they can go. Because this is why I think that if you're looking for points, you could do that. Brock Purdy, nickel and dimes his way down the field. 
But Debo Samuel as a big threat would be harmful to the Lions in a big way. Mm-hmm. But if Debo Samuel can't get it done, who's going who's gonna to be the big plate uh, threat for Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers offense? McCaffrey. McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you can kind of pick your poison. It's just that... It felt like they didn't know how to do that. Like they, when they had to go off script last week, when Debo Samuel went out, that's why you saw the the everybody has been waiting on Brock Purdy to fall back down to earth, and that's why you got yep. that version of him until the I would say the most important drive of his career when he puts them you know in position to score at the end of the game, um, and that ends up being the go ahead touchdown. Like, but that's. That is the uh, you you sh- when you have this much talent you shouldn't have that issue of well what if no Debo Samuel who's the go to guy you have four guys who could be the go to guy true true I just think that San Francisco survived as much as they won that last game you got to take nothing away from them. they won but no, they, they survived vulnerable. they showed they were vulnerable this is why I like the Lions to be able to get this done I like the Lions to win this game. Uh, the number, what's the latest number, Shay? Seven and a half, seven, depending mm-hmm. on where you shop. Yeah, I like the Lions plus uh, seven and a half. Also like the over 40, uh, 51 and a half for I, this one. I think it's going to be high scoring. And Hoodie, I agree. I think the Lions straight up win. I, no, like, no fandom aside, I'm just saying like if Samuel's not 100%, and yes, you mentioned Ayuk and, and McCaffrey. I mean, the big plays, you know, though, I, I think that that's, I think that is the Lions' favor. I do. If the Lions want to win, they're going to have to score because the back end of their defense is not good. Like, they're going to give up big plays. That's been the problem all year. But sneaky stats on the Niners, they don't give up a lot of rush yards because, like Courtney said, they're always out in front. That means opposing teams have to throw. They put you in a negative script. But they are sneaky very bad against the run. 26th in the EPA defensively against the run. And... When rushing outside the tackles, 28th in rush yards per game, 29th in, uh, in YBC, I don't even know what that is, per rush, and tied yards for 24th. Yards before contact. Yards before contact, thank you. And 10-plus yard rushes tied for 24th. You know who's on the other side is Jameer Gibbs. He's top five in all three of those when rushing outside the tackles. I think the Lions have a huge advantage in the run game. Their offensive line... Ragnall might be banged up. He's going to play. I have a feeling Jonah Jackson's going to play. When they're healthy and they all play, the Lions have one loss on the season. It's the game in Dallas that if anyone watched, people would argue the Lions won that game. Yeah. That's been the difference all year. I said preseason. I thought they had the best offensive line in football. That has held up. I think line play wins in the playoffs. I think the Lions go and straight up win. What do you think? I have the Lions winning this game as well. What about the total? Um, would you say the over under is 51? 51 and a half. I'll set it. I'll take the over on that. I like the Lions plus seven, plus seven and a half, whatever it is. I, I mean, I think I think this will be another close game. I think both of them are going to be within a field goal of each other. Shay, any reports on where the public money went, just for the clarification for the audience on either game? Any Any sway one way or the other this week? I can grab it very quickly. Uh, the Ravens-Chiefs game is a dead split. Ravens and Chiefs both getting 50% of the bets, but Ravens getting 66% of the money. Remember I told you, when you see a differential like that, mm-hmm. gives you a pretty good idea where to go. That was Ravens-Texans. I bet the Ravens. That was also Texans-Browns. I bet the Texans. In the Lions-Niners game, again, dead even. Half the money on the Lions, or half the bets on the Lions, half the bets on the Niners. Niners getting a vast majority of the money at minus seven and a half. Did you ask Kayshawn Boutte who he's taking in this game? We should. Can we get him on? 
Let me get in touch not with... Pro- that means, is he in jail? Let me get in touch with Louisiana State Police and see if we can get a quick hit with Kayshawn Booty. He's in Bristol, Connecticut, doing an interview process. He's going to be on this network. <laughs> That's what's happening Harlan right now. Harlan versus Joe versus Booty. Versus Booty. Who wouldn't want to listen to that and get that analysis? Courtney Cronin will join us now. Oh, she's already here. Okay. It's 8.30 on Friday, so she's already here. So we'll instead, we will talk about Bill Belichick. <laughs> the NFL doesn't want Bill Belichick anymore. Is that surprising? I mean, is it? We talk about that coming up next. John Schriffen, the new voice for the Chicago White Sox, will join us at 9 o'clock. All part of the mix on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Cap and Jay Hood, weekday morning 7 to 10 here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. We got a little news that came across, Shay. We got to be able to give, uh, would you call this uh, breaking news or just kind of newsy? It's not breaking news because it's not a hiring, but it is an interview. And it is scary. All right. Per Tom uh, Pelissero and Diana Rossini, former Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry has an interview with the Eagles today for their linesbackers coach position. And we'll meet with the Bears tomorrow about their defensive coordinator position. Wow. I'm good. I wouldn't even meet with him. Wow. I don't even need his intel. Because, I mean, some of these interviews is to find out, hey, what was going on over there? Or what do you think? I don't need to find that out at all. That's surprising. I get, I mean, it fits with that soft zone coverage that Green Bay likes to play. It, it kind of makes sense. But, I mean, I guess the only thing that you'd be happy about or the silver lining is that he wouldn't be calling plays in Chicago. I believe Matty Berthoos is going to continue to do that. That's so. correct. So that, that falls right in line with the soft defense that the Packers have, like the Bears have. You need to throw a pass, throw it in the backside of the linebackers in front of the secondary. You could just run all day. I mean, there, there's nothing different about... Um, that defense, and again, it was effective once you got a pass rush, but when you don't, Courtney, as you well know, <laughs> roam free just as, as much as you want with that bear, against that Bears defense. But Barry, I mean, out of all the storylines in Green Bay, ESPN Milwaukee, the number one thing they, they were trying to say during the regular season, get rid of that guy. They, they talked about Jordan Love, but like 1A to the storylines in Milwaukee was get rid of that defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Vic Fangio is the front runner for that Philly defensive coordinator job. So I know, and I know what you said, Shay, that he's also Joe Barry's interviewing for Philadelphia and for linebackers coach in Philadelphia. Vic Fangio got the job in Philly, I thought. Did he? Yeah. Okay, because Diana Rossini had reported Philly, former Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry will interview for jobs on the defensive staffs. Okay, so there is that linebackers role, but the one that's open in Chicago is the DC job. Um, What's the fascination with picking off Packers assistants? Enough. Stop. I, I guess to I <laughs> like, guess the intel part. For what? I, I don't know. But this, this guy, if you ask anybody up in Milwaukee or Green Bay, he was like the worst defensive coordinator in football. They had the media asking the week of the Vikings game. Courtney, I'm sure you remember. Is this a good time to change defensive coordinators? And the answer was. Not a good time to fire Joe Barry. And then they fired him immediately after the season. Yes. Do you think if they would have made the NFC Championship that he would have been safe? Would there have been any threshold 
to getting to a certain point of the of the postseason where they're like, well, we can't fire him now. I suppose so. Uh, if you get to the Super Bowl, he stays even more so. But I think that that's all I kept hearing from our friends up there in Milwaukee. Just like, we got to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. The offense seems to work, but the defense is just lacking. All right, you want to bring him in, that's fine. But but not to run not to run the Bears' defense. It's even Flus' defense anyway, and that's not going to change. That system that he's got there is not going to change. So it's fine. I just That wouldn't have been my first choice to bring in. Unless he could tell you something that you didn't already know. They were bottom 10 defensively in the NFL. Yeah. Bottom 10 all season. Why did the Packers underachieve? That's one of the reasons right there. Mm-hmm. Where the offense was working. It was doing fine. But that's kind of surprising. Okay. As long as they don't hire him, that's fine. It's an interesting story. But as long as they don't, uh, he's not hired because that didn't work. And by the way, I say that flippantly as if he can't go someplace and improve. And he can just out here. I'm not saying that he's unemployable. I'm just saying just not here. It's just it doesn't make sense. Like if you're trying to improve your coaching staff and yeah, I know he's not going to be calling plays here, but why take a step back with somebody who came under such fire this year whose defense has fallen off a cliff the last couple of years? I mean, there were talks about him being fired or people calling for his job after last season. Mm hmm. But they got the pass of okay, it's the last year of Aaron Rodgers. This is this team's under going to undergo major changes in the off season. But this would go against the trying to find the right people for the job. Unless, I mean, unless they really think that there's nobody who wants that job because that job's not appealing to some because they can't call plays. There's people within your own staff that you could promote into that DC role. So- I've said all along, I would love to see John Hoke in that role. Well, but what if you get the press conference, you get the call and say there's going to be a press conference at House Hall, the introduction of the new defensive coordinator, and then through the side door. That would be me. He comes in and says, I'll do it. That'll be me. So and him he staying says, head coach and D.C. That would be me. I mean. It's his, it's his defense it's anyway. It's his defense. I don't <laughs> see. And, and I and I felt this all along. I don't see him giving up play calling for another D.C. Like, this isn't going to be a Sean McDermott situation where, you know, his D.C. leaves and he's got to hold on to play calling duties for a year. I think he wants to give that up. I think that he needs to give that up considering he had way too much on his plate this year, plus a firing midseason of the O.C. For Eberflus, that's job security. Holding on to your play calling duties, you saw what the defense looked like when you took it over week two. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for him to give it up. But that does, of course, limit your candidate pool for people who want to take on a D.C. role that will allow them to call plays, that will allow them to potentially become head coaches and look like attractive head coaches. I, I'm i not surprised this one's taking a little bit, and I don't know if there's going to be any sort of name that blows away Bears fans for the D.C. Like for the void that they inevitably Let's fill. Let's go, Mike. Is it any surprise that these failed coordinators, and like I, that, I know it's harsh, but to me, Joe Barry's a failed coordinator. Mm-hmm. Luke Getze got fired. Mm-hmm. They're both interviewing for coordinator positions on other teams. They have powerful yeah. agents, my friend. That's like, exactly right. When How Trace Armstrong is your agent, you have a lot. He has a lot of skin in the game. Luke Getze should be a QB coach somewhere. He shouldn't be coordinating the Raiders' offense. I understand that, but you know how this works with the with the good old boy network, yeah, the friendship yeah. network. It's so stupid. You know what it is, man. But 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 Courtney hit on it. The agent shines you up from the muck and mire that you were in the previous job. That's just what it is. So what happened in Chicago? Well, that dog wouldn't hunt. We tried to do the best we could get a job we could with Justin. It didn't work out. Well, could you work with our quarterbacks? Yeah, absolutely. I watched the film, and I really think I could be able to. I mean, that's what you do. You come hat in hand and say, 
yeah, we didn't get it done in Chicago, but I still know our offense because I work with Aaron Rodgers. That's on top of the LinkedIn resume. Mm-hmm. It's on the top of it. It's not Justin Fields. It's Aaron Rodgers. I was in that room. That matters to some teams. Whether it's right or wrong, Jay, that's the way it works. You know what's going on, but for other teams, they need to fill out those spots, those coaching spots. Got to fill them out. I, if it just like if I were running an NFL team, I know Matt Patricia is probably going to get a job somewhere oh as God. a defensive coordinator, and that team's going to fail miserably because it's, he's a joke. Yeah, and not according to the tweets that I saw. Good. The ones uh, that were breaking where you know he was leaving the Philadelphia Eagles, and that he is a bright defensive mind. You know which ones <laughs> I'm talking about, right? Oh, oh yeah, of course. How about yes. the tweet this morning from someone? Uh, Luke Getze keyed the Justin Fields late season improvement. Dude, Put a he got bullet fired. through my brain. I can't stand that. The, <laughs> the editorializing of those tweets that you read from people whose W-2 reads NFL, um, it's infuriating. And I know that you guys see these things yep. because they're the ones who get fed that information right away. Basically, either comes from the agents or it comes from the team, which literally they work for the NFL. Um I promise you, there's a format to these. Like, you will see it from now on, and you'll never be able to unsee it. It's the news that's happening, you know, what, when it's going to happen, and then these people, these insiders putting a bow on it. And it's not from my network. It's from the uh, the one that literally gets a W-2 that says National Football League on it. They have a way of trying to sweeten it by putting a bow on the end of it to pump up the candidate, pump up the person who's about to interview for the job because, hmm, who fed them that information in the first place? You scratch my back with the information. I scratch yours by giving you credit for what it, What was it? Uh, keyed the late season success yeah. of Justin yes. Fields. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. How was the Green Bay game? In other words, folks, don't read Woj too closely. Coming up next. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Coming up next. <laughs> Matt Patricia should be working at NASA. Enough. No. Be a rocket scientist. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, I'm just telling you, all these insiders, the way these tweets are written, you know who's going to be the next hot uh, head coaching candidate. Who, or who's going to be the next GM. It's Based terrible. on how it's written. Absolutely. The Matt Patricia one really made, it was brilliant defensive mind. Yeah, that's how did, that's how it was phrased. Brilliant defensive mind. He that's was brutal. bottom seven in yards in New England four times. The Lions defense when he was there was a clown show. And then Philly launches Sean Desai and elevates Patricia and their defense got worse. But don't you want that information? So you gotta it just it's sleazy. I don't like the way that certain insiders will do that. And I I'll ours. I, ours don't. I will say that. Adam Schefter, you're never going to read something that has that same sort of That's flowerly true. language as certain people. Again, where's your W-2 coming from? That's just, that's that's the only reason it makes sense of why you'd be willing to bend over backwards to put out something that you're probably laughing and being like, Jesus, do I really have to say it this way? But otherwise, you don't get the information. Alan Williams, who set the standard for the Bears' defense. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to put that out there. Alan Williams, who... (laughs) (laughs) Leave it at that. There doesn't need to be any sort of qualifier as to who the person is. Just put the name out there, put what's happening, Mm -hmm. and leave it at that. Mm -hmm. I don't need editorializing from people who are just straight-up mouthpieces and newsbreakers. I don't need it. RIP to your NBA mentions. Coming up, the NFL doesn't want Bill Belichick. How come Bill Belichick can't get a job? 
Coming up next, we talk about it on Cap and J Hood. Welcome back to Cap and J Hood Experience. Weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. John Triffin, the new voice of the Chicago White Sox on the TV side, will join us coming up at 9 o'clock on Cap and J Hood. Courtney Cronin is in for Cap today. 312-332-3776 is our phone number. A story that um, is interesting to me, Courtney, is about Bill Belichick. I mean, all the championship rings with the New England Patriots, and he's closer to being a podcaster with his buddy Nick Saban than being a head coach in the NFL. That's where we are right I now. I thought they were going to start a tequila company. Is that wrong? Uh, I'm, doesn't everybody lately? Yeah. Everybody's in the spirits. I, I think that'd be a great podcast. I would drink their tequila. Welcome into the Belichick and Saban podcast. Brought to you by tequila. Nick, how are you? I mean, I mean, pretty much. I mean, just, I mean, just, I mean, that'd be the number one podcast out there. Those two uh, sharing stories. Bill Belichick, you would have thought, Courtney, there would have been more suitors than just the Atlanta Falcons. I thought, for even despite the age, that Bill would have one more run as a head coach. And I just feel like there's just way too much power and there's way too many irons in the fire for Belichick. I think that not only would he want to be head coach, but also did what he did in New England. Run the draft, you know, be head of free agency and all that. And I don't think organizations have the stomach for that. No. And the hardest part is that you remember when Robert Kraft was talking about how it's kind of like once you get started with that pattern, it's hard to take it away. I don't like when I thought Atlanta was the fit because we know that Arthur Blank has made some big swings before. He tried to get Joe Gibbs. He tried to get Bill Parcells. He couldn't do either. This was supposed to be his big fish get. But if you're Bill Belichick going in and you realize that Rich McKay is the one behind the scenes pulling the strings and whenever there is a football move that does that goes awry, He's not the one getting blamed. He's the one, you know, controlling Arthur Blank and guiding the franchise the way that it's going. Like, that one made the most sense to me because of the general manager situation where he could he could railroad Terry Fontenot if he wanted to. And he could probably have more control over personnel. But there was never going to be a team that would bring Bill Belichick in and give him the same sort of power that he had in New England. That was an unprecedented model, and honestly, that was the model that the Patriots were even, for what all that Robert Kraft said, that's the model they've been trying to get away from the last couple of years. There was a lot of buzz at the Combine last year that Belichick was considering parting, you know, giving off some of that personnel control, so much so that there were active general managers in other places that were rumored to, hey, if this happens, maybe we try to get back to New England. It's it's not that the game has passed him up by any stretch. It's not that he still doesn't have it because of a 4-13 and season last year and a 29-38 record without Tom Brady. It's that the NFL is skewing younger, and it's skewing away from the Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick types. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I know that the idea is, okay, well, if he doesn't get a job this cycle and there's two left, we heard early on Washington didn't seem interested in that. I don't anticipate that changing. 
What are you going to do? Sit out a year and then come back to it in 2025? I, I think this. I think that's it. I've always thought that if Bill's not going to get a job, that it would be the Navy job or lacrosse. He's weird that way, you know. Mm-hmm. But I never thought that all the doors would be shut, though. Yeah. I mean, there is the resume. But also, it's, I just think that there are a lot of teams that just don't want to deal with Bill at age 70, thinking that he controlled a draft of free agency. Also, very few teams want to be able to give the whole operation to one guy. You'd, Chargers- have, to bl- you'd have to blow up your whole model. Yeah. Like, how could, you, how could you envision doing that if you were already building towards something? Yeah, the Chargers had a GM opening, have a GM opening, and they had a head coach opening. And you're already bringing somebody in who's going to want a lot of control. But the runway is longer for someone like Jim Harbaugh. And how many more years he's going to do this coaching thing? Like, what if it doesn't – what if it weren't to go well with Bill Belichick in year one and two and then you're back in this place a couple years from now? It yeah. can't just be – man, we want the greatest ever to come coach here because everybody has a shelf life. For so long, everybody in New England got the treatment that Bill Belichick just got. He was able to surpass it. Like, nobody was replaceable, irreplaceable for so long in New England, yet Bill Belichick wasn't that guy. He was not able to be replaced. He finally got effectively a taste of his own medicine in that respect, and it's tough to see him now on the sideline because I don't think we're ever going to see him back on actual sidelines more than just that podcast idea that you brought up. All right, in two minutes, we will hear from John Schriffen, the new voice of the Chicago White Sox. That's coming up with Courtney Cronin, Jonathan Hood with you. Cap and Jay Hood, weekday mornings, 7 to 10.